You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and other guests discuss primary care issues that are on their minds and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about mental health and congenital heart disease. Joining me, I have two guests. First, Dr. Nicholas Sievert, an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania and a pediatric psychologist in the Department of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences and the Cardiac Center. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Sievert. Thanks so much for having me. And next, we also have Dr. Lila Hampton, who's a pediatric neuropsychologist with the Department of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences and the co-director of the Cardiac Kids Developmental Follow-Up Program. Welcome, Dr. Hampton. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you both so much for being here for Heart Month, too. I think the first question that listeners might have is simply, why? Why are we talking about mental health and congenital heart disease? I think by nature of us talking about this, I'm anticipating that there's an association here, but what's the mechanism? Are we thinking that the relationship here is related to hypoxia or is it the genetics that are involved in congenital heart disease and mental health? Or maybe it's the stress of having a complex congenital heart disease, or maybe it's all of the above, or we don't know, but I'm hoping you can help us figure that out. (laughs) Well, you summarized it nicely. (laughs) We do know that congenital heart disease is the most common birth effect in the U.S., and we know as these children and adolescents are growing in age, what we've been looking at, the other, you know, in terms of outcomes, that they are at greater risk for higher levels of emotional and behavioral health concerns in comparison to the general population. So, Like you said, as with most things in medicine, there's really lots of variables that can contribute to this outcome. It's really a combination, really, of those medical factors that you mentioned and some of those demographic and psychosocial variables over time. As far as the medical component, certainly the severity of the congenital heart disease diagnosis is a large contributing factor. So some of the more severe diagnoses, including the single ventricle diagnoses, are including hypoplastic left heart syndrome, and certainly are at greater risk for both neurodevelopmental and mental health concerns. And then there's those, you know, even before birth, you know, there's things in terms of decreased oxygenation and greater, like you said, greater risk for hypoxia. There's low birth weight, certainly genetic syndromes that are comorbid with a lot of the diagnoses. And then we have prematurity. And then really even after pre- and perioperative complications as they go through later surgeries, these children are at greater risk of things like stroke and seizures. So, and then, you know, if there's history of ECMO, these things can all kind of contribute. And then ongoing cardiac function is certainly something that is monitored and those with greater complications that can have implication on mental health outcome. And then just some of the acquired conditions, especially, you know, early on within our clinic, a lot of it is surrounding some of the complications include, you know, sleep difficulties or feeding issues. I know we work on that a lot within the CKDP. 
And then even as they get older and, you know, adolescence, sleep is a big concern and can contribute to a lot of things, including things like attention, as well as additional things, you know, including obesity and some of those other medical complications. So there's certainly a lot of medical factors that can contribute. There's also a lot of psychosocial factors or environmental factors as well, such as, you know, how the parents are coping with their child's illness and diagnosis has a big impact on children's mental health. Also, as you can imagine, you know, kids have to go through a lot of potentially scary procedures and, you know, staying in the hospital and things like that can result in some medical trauma or PTSD symptoms. And also kids who have to be in the hospital for significant amounts of time have reduced stimulation and reduced opportunities to engage in these kind of developmentally typical activities as well. And that can also have an impact. So you both raised a lot of important points that we're going to dig into a little bit deeper in this podcast. And just to frame that, I'm wondering how much more likely are kids with congenital heart disease to have common mental health diagnoses like anxiety, depression, or ADHD? Well, there's a pretty significant risk. And I can say specifically for kids with single ventricle congenital heart disease, like hypoplastic left heart syndrome, requiring this three-stage palliation, including the Fontan operation, those kids are among the highest risk for mental health concerns. And some research actually shows that by the time they hit adolescence, up to 65% of these kids with single ventricle CHD have at, at least one psychiatric disorder. And really, that is the highest rate of mental health problems out of any childhood illness population. So this is a pretty big issue. Right. That's really significant, much higher than the baseline population rates that we learn about. So that's why this topic is so important. And I'm glad that you're both here sharing this with us today. So another question that I hear providers ask often in terms of mental health and congenital heart disease is the management of ADHD in these patients. People are worried about using medications and treating ADHD in kids who may have underlying risk factors. So can you help us sort through that? Certainly, yes. We know that there is a higher rate of ADHD or ADHD symptoms within this population, ranging from 19% to 53% in some of the more complex diagnoses. And so we know that there is a higher rate of concern within this population. And a lot of research has looked at how best, certainly the, you know, the combination of what sorts of behavioral accommodations or behavioral supports that can be provided, but the use of medication management with this population. And the American Heart Association did put out a paper in 2008 regarding that for most diagnoses, that medication management with both stimulant and non-stimulant medications is appropriate. There's not a higher risk of things like sudden death or other side effects. Really, some of the more common ones are those that decrease in appetite or insomnia, which can impact most individuals with these medications. And so, you know, I think sometimes parents and sometimes providers can be a little bit hesitant to discuss medication management, but we know that in most cases, it can be appropriate, especially in collaboration with their uh, cardiologist. Something that I remember learning as a resident, too, is that there are higher rates of autism in children with congenital heart disease. So how much more common are autism spectrum disorders in this population? Yeah, so certainly that's something that within our clinic we're monitoring for um, because there seems to be a higher rate up to what's found so far 30% of individuals with congenital heart disease meet criteria for a full DSM 
five clinical diagnosis of autism spectrum. You know, the diagnosis itself is variable in terms of presentation and when symptoms kind of present. And so I will say that even with that 30%, there's lots of children, many children, with, especially with complex congenital heart disease, that demonstrate difficulties that are sort of sub-threshold or subclinical. So difficulties with social communication and social understanding, even if this isn't evident, you know, in early childhood, especially when they reach adolescence, it can, can become more pronounced, but certainly something that we're monitoring from that early childhood assessment time point. Well, a factor here that both of you have touched on already is the role that we as healthcare providers are playing. And kids with complex congenital heart disease are dealing with frequent doctor visits, procedures, hospitalizations, and surgeries. So what's the impact of all of that and what we're doing as a healthcare system on their mental health? As you can imagine, it's pretty common for kids with CHD to have anxiety about things like medical appointments and procedures, EKGs, echoes, things like that. You know, and these situations and events can be pretty stressful for kids in and of themselves. They can also exacerbate some underlying anxiety that these kids have. And then sometimes we see increased emotional and behavioral difficulties, not just related to these medical procedures, but in other domains of functioning like academic performance and and social relationships. So really can potentially have a big impact on kids' lives. Also, frequent engagement with the healthcare system means that kids might miss out on these developmentally typical activities. Um, They have more frequent school absences. They might have fewer social interactions with their peers. And so parents might have to be more planful and intentional in seeking out these kinds of developmental opportunities in these circumstances. And the other people who are being impacted by all of this stress are the caregivers and parents. And as a mother, I can only imagine how stressful it would be to have a child with a congenital heart disease. So what role does parental anxiety have in kids with CHD and their neurodevelopmental outcomes? So we know that parents of kids with CHD tend to report pretty high rates of anxiety and stress, particularly with mothers of kids with CHD is where most of the research has been done. And this parental stress and anxiety can have an impact kind of across development. So if we think about in the earlier years, maternal anxiety and parental anxiety can have an impact on the child in utero. It's also postnatally too, can influence things like attachment and, and engagement with their child. We also see as kids get older, the research hasn't quite been done in the CHD populations as much yet, but we know with other chronic illness populations, Research has shown direct links, actually, between the parental distress and the child's quality of life and emotional behavioral functioning more broadly. In fact, parental distress is often found to be the most predictive or at least more predictive of the child's adjustment than things like illness severity. So this really highlights the importance of having supports available for parents as their coping really directly influences the child and can also influence their medical adherence. That's really fascinating research. So now that we understand what some of the risks are and the outcomes, how should we as pediatric providers in the primary care setting be screening for mental health concerns in patients with CHD? And what might be some of the early red flags? Yeah, so I think especially with regards to autism symptoms and with ADHD symptoms, there are several screeners that can be 
utilized within a pediatrician visit. The Vanderbilt, I believe, even within CHOP is used pretty often for ADHD. And then the MCHAT, of course, for early childhood. And so having some of those screenings just kind of built into the visit can even be a starting point for conversation with families regarding some symptoms related to autism and ADHD in particular. You know, I think as kids get older, they themselves discuss or their parents discuss difficulties with academics or difficulties with their peers. Certainly having a a line of referral for whether it be within CHOP or even, you know, educating them on the IEP process to start a process if there's concerns for learning difficulties or ADHD to at least get them some support at school. I believe now even within the CHOP system, that's something that there's a letter for families that you can provide that's built in to have them start that process. And then, of course, like referrals to neuropsychology or pediatric psychology are a good pathway for them after they've identified some of these concerns if you're also concerned about them. And certainly your clinical observation goes a very long way as well. Right. And I think that in this podcast, we're increasing awareness and the same way that we think about other risk factors for mental health, like prematurity or substance use exposure, knowing that children with congenital heart disease may be at higher risk is a good thing for us to keep in mind so that if they're not at an age where we do routine screening, or maybe it's a screener that we don't routinely distribute like the Vanderbilt, that this is a population that you really want to have, you know, your eyes open for looking for potential mental health concerns so that you can screen early and get them connected with the care that they need. Now, speaking about care that they need, tell us a little bit about how you help patients who are being treated by CHOP cardiology. Well, certainly, I think between Nick and myself, we hopefully see quite a few of these children as they grow really across early childhood and adolescence. I think We have the Cardiac Kids Developmental Follow-Up Program where we try to see kids between myself and then there's also um, a pediatrician and uh, Dr. Lisa Burnham and our team of therapists, including occupational and speech language therapy. So we have a pretty large team that we start seeing children soon after birth and their first initial surgery for those more complex congenital heart disease diagnoses. And we really start that education process if they haven't already heard about things like early intervention, things like tummy time. And then as they get older and I start to follow them between about 18 months to five years of age, that's really a lot of when we discuss some of those early behavioral concerns, things like autism, as well as even early attention concerns and ADHD concerns. So within that clinic, we attempt to follow as many of the cardiac patients that are referred as possible. And then I continue to follow them throughout patient neuropsychology if there are concerns especially related to either cognitive or behavioral functioning as well as, you know, specifically the ADHD or autism diagnoses. So I work across the inpatient and outpatient setting for the cardiac center here at CHOP. In terms of inpatient consultations, We actually do a lot of parent support. Like we were talking about before, it can be pretty stressful to have a baby or young child in the hospital. A lot of parents, understandably, have a hard time with that. And so part of our role is to provide psychosocial support for parents and families of young children who are hospitalized, as well as older kids. As you can imagine, it's hard for kids to be in the hospital and be away from their normal environments. And so sometimes they have some adjustment difficulties, you know, 
problems with listening and following directions or taking medicine and things like that. And so that's our work in terms of inpatient consultation. As for outpatients, we also have a general outpatient service that CHOP pediatric cardiologists can refer to for consultation and therapy if it's warranted. Typically, we uh, accept referrals for patients who have emotional and behavioral difficulties that are directly related to their cardiac or other kinds of medical conditions. And then I'm also involved in our Fontan Forward program, which is a multidisciplinary clinic and that follows single ventricle patients longitudinally across school age years and as well as adolescents and helps kids transition to adult care as well. Um, and so I complete consultations with kids that come through our program. Well, thank you both so much for all that you do. You provide a great service to our patients and their families. I'd love to end with what your top three takeaways are that you want listeners to know. And while you think of those, I was just thinking that my biggest takeaway is how important it is that we partner with parents and caregivers so that they can help us with the early surveillance and have that education to know what they're looking out for and what the potential risks are, as well as helping support them on this journey and getting connected with their own mental health care if they need it. So thank you for that, Pearl, today. And I'm going to let you each tell me what some of your takeaways are that you want people to remember from this. Absolutely. So Early identification and intervention for mental health and neurocognitive concerns within the CHD population is really important because it provides us with the best opportunity for mitigating any of the potential functional impact that these issues can have. And the best way to do this is really through routine screening and assessment, as well as having really clear links of referrals for mental health services when they're needed. Great. Thank you so much for that takeaway, Dr. Sievert. Dr. Hampton, do you have one that you'd like to add? Sure. Yeah. I think that going back to that ADHD diagnosis, having that conversation with families surrounding, again, behavioral supports, but also medication management and sort of providing any reassurance or discussion around those options is really important because we know that there's positive benefits. And Dr. Sievert, we started this discussion today talking about why this is important. And I'm hoping that you can help us wrap it up with that exact answer again, which is why are we talking about mental health and congenital heart disease? How common is this? So kids with CHD, either both simple and complex CHD, are four to five times more likely to have anxiety and depression than typically developing kids. And this is regardless of age or disease severity. So routine screening and linkage to appropriate mental health services is really key. Thank you both so much for shedding more light on this topic and happy Heart Month. And thank you for everything that you do. And I would like to also give credit to all of the specialists and providers in the Cardiac Center and the Cardiac Kids Developmental Follow-Up Program at CHOP, thank you for everything that all of your teams do. So I hope everyone learned something today and happy Heart Month. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.